Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. No, wait, that's the start of the uh, Rocky Four fight. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Soaky Nostalgia. <laughs> wow. I know it. I know it. <laughs> the only show where you can look back and actually learn. You can change. That's right. Everybody can change. That's right. <laughs> Anyway, this evening, um, I'm one of your hosts. I'm the Matt. Sir Bradley. And Tiny. And uh, Mr. Alan Hogan is not joining us uh, this evening. He has been called away to do an acting job. Hey, bravo there. Uh, <clears throat> bravo there. We're very proud of you, Mr. Alan Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> fitty fitty <laughs> yeah fitty bitty all right <laughs> all right let's get the business out of the way because we've got a lot of stuff to go through tonight it's uh gonna be a pretty interesting uh episode i will say uh so as always if you would like to reach us find us we are on uh so uh blah, 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 social media wow learn to speak the mat let's do hey, that again I know, right? I haven't even been drinking. But take me two. Yeah, leave it in. <laughs> Damn it! You beat me to it. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, once again, if you'd like to find us on social media, we're at Soaking Nostalgia and Deadpan Studio Eighteen. We have email which nobody ever uses, but for still we've got soaking nostalgia at gmail.com deadpan studio 18 at gmail.com. We have a website deadpan studio.com. And we also stream on a number of places, which include iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, TuneIn, Spotify, as well as Podbean, which we use as our server to host our episodes, deadpan studio.podbean.com. Get it on your phone, go to the website. Either way, give us a listen. All right. I think that was my favorite fumble ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Really? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah I had to or was it the leave it in part? <laughs> <laughs> by, by the way, if I could, yeah. um, just sh- shout out to Podbean. That's what I use to listen to our episodes on. Uh, amazing. They have a, an app you can get. That's right. They do I love have it. An app. It's great. Oh, it's very simple to use, too. It really is. And they are very good. Anytime that we've ever had an issue with any of our issues uh, of getting our episodes uh, put out uh, when it's supposed to, they've always been very apologetic, but they've also been very quick to get us figured out. All right. So we've got some news. Who wants to, who wants to talk about some news? We've, I've actually got a few interesting tidbits here. One, uh, a couple of them. I really think that uh, you're going to want to talk about tiny, one we're probably going <laughs> to laugh at, and the other one we're just going to, and uh, another one we're just going to be kind of in awe of. But first, uh, let's start with very local. Um, here okay. in our lovely town of Glasgow, Kentucky, uh, retail businesses are starting to open after being closed due to the pandemic. We were talking a little about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, everything's gone down to about 33% capacity. And that's not because people don't want to come in. That's all they're, that's all that's allowed to come in and customers still have to maintain six foot distance. I mean, uh, 
come on guys let's let's be honest here um it's still a very real thing um it didn't just go away because we spent two months in the house uh, that's right because a uh people don't pay attention and follow rules to begin with and yeah. now that you're telling them that they can have a little bit of freedom uh, well, I, I, I was going to say freedom, but I don't really like that word because we it's not really taking away our freedom to ask us to stay home and not infect other people. But yeah. uh, <laughs> now that they're getting a little bit of autonomy again, um, nobody's, nobody's following the rules. Like, uh, I think in Alabama, uh, somebody was telling me today, and I don't know, I didn't fact check this, but somebody was telling me today in Alabama that they basically opened up for about a week or so, mm-hmm. and they're now in, uh, under another stay-at-home order because... People uh, are stupid. <laughs> well, their infection rate jumped 40%, and their death yeah. rate jumped something around that area, too. So yeah. uh, be, be intelligent, people. Come on. Uh, I, know, I know everybody's bored at home. Uh, what I mean is, look, it's kind of follow, path- follow the rules. Well, yeah, because it's kind of <laughs> pathetic. We're a very spoiled race, especially I'm talking human race. I don't mean because white, black, whatever. I mean, human race, because look how far we've come since the Spanish flu, you know, that whole entire pandemic that lasted years. And we had so many people die. We had so I mean, you couldn't leave the house anyway, other than your basics, period, period. And that lasted years. So you tell me how we've gone a few weeks and we're just chomping at the bit that we have to get out. Come on now. Common sense. But then we also have places like that is charging $28 and change for an eight pack of, of uh, paper towels. Capitalism and it's fun. No, nah, it's price gouging. Uh, we're actually turning them into the governor. So if you're listening to this, you got turned in, buddy. Damn, really? Yeah. $28 for an eight pack of paper towels is bullshit. Uh, it's, it's taking advantage of the pandemic. That's pretty much what it is. Um, a little bit outside of our area. Uh, and I know this is something that I know tiny, you're definitely going to want to talk about, but on top of all this, where things are starting to become open again, a lot of the music venues are pretty much still crippled by the virus rules. They can not operate. No. And they, I mean, I hate it for them because uh, there are a lot of great places that I used to frequent very occasionally that are being hit very hard by this because they can't do the entertainment. But people are so starved for anything at this point. There's no way you could enforce social distancing distancing rules without having some sort of police or military presence. Yeah. Uh, Because again, people tend to be stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Did you ever uh, frequent any of those music places of venues uh, in the Bowling Green surrounding areas, Sir Bradley? Actually, no, I, I never really did. Not everybody did, but I was a part of that scene. Um, these are expected to, uh, start tentatively opening sometime in July. They're considered part of phase three with restaurants and, uh, and things like that, uh, bars and stuff like that. But I mean, if you think about it, there's really no way that, you know, this place, like for example, uh, Tidballs, they make their bread and butter on 
being a venue for music because if they were just there for people drinking, that's all they would have been. They would have, if that's how they could have made a living, they would have been doing that instead. But when you're looking at, you know, a place that holds, you know, what, 100, 150 people on a Friday and Saturday night because of certain bands that come out and they're only going to be able to have like, you know, 10 to 15 people max. First of all, how's that going to draw any of the bands into play? Because they're not going to come in for change. These people are, 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 they make a living by playing these venues and they can't. And well, and you also have to look at even, not even just bars that, you know, are doing this, but you talk about, um, especially a place like a place here in Bowling Green, Mellow Mushroom. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't make their money off of having people come in and play music. They they make their money off their pizza and their food and their big selection of beer and whatever yeah. it is. That's fine. But even they have live music that comes in and play, and it draws a crowd because people come to listen to the music. It's it's going to affect a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and even though these places are still open they're not going to be making a profit. <laughs> like yeah. I can't, I can't imagine that some of these restaurants or especially some of these mom and pop places or places like Tidballs are going to even open the doors because I mean, a lot of these bands come in and they play for a percentage of what um, the house makes, is yeah. at the door. Yeah. They, they get a percentage of, you know, okay, so we'll come in and play for half of what you make on cover. And if covers five dollars, and you got four hundred people that come in through the night, that's a couple grand yeah. just in covers. Yep. If you've got forty people that come in a night, that's two hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It, it's pointless. Like it, as a business owner, I would. Well, uh, take for example. Um, are you familiar, uh, Tiny or uh, Sir Bradley, of the warehouse at Mountain Victor? I just happen to not be familiar with it. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah. Um, it's that one's more of a country music type place. Uh, yeah. But just using <laughs> this as an example, this was in the Bowling Green Daily News where they did an interview with a Larry Deaton owner. Uh, he said, uh, "Where's it at?" He's had 14 private events and seven live shows canceled due to this, and thus far he's had to lay off three employees. And I mean, just for the past month. They are since March 10th, I'm sorry, past two months, they've estimated the uh, lost revenue at $50,000 so far that they've lost. Do you know how much they got for uh, coronavirus aid? I'm assuming probably like 15 grand, maybe. No, if that. no, $7,200, $7,200 out of 50. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's bad because these, these venues, they stimulate the economy there. People, you know, travel from all around to play at these places. You know, it gets people out. These people, uh, the, the audience, they goes out and they go to the restaurants and everything else in the area because of this. And now that they can't, you know, these, I think Lizzie Hale said, uh, I think it was a couple days ago that she said some of your favorite uh, bands that you go to see all the time. There's this is the point of no return for them, so you may not be able to oh, see yeah, them play ever again. This is the end. Also, um, while we're talking about smaller businesses around the area, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but one of my favorite restaurants uh, has recently closed due to 
the coronavirus stuff, and that's White's World Brewery here in, yeah. in Bowling. Um, yeah. They shut their doors. Completely, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm talking about a place that thrived for the better part of five years. Yeah. And there's so many people that are all, oh, support your local businesses, support your local businesses. I mean, these guys were open for delivery and takeout. Uh, nobody went there because they don't want delivery and takeout. They want to go to this place and, and hear some of the live music that's done. Yeah. And it was primarily a bar, but they had really good food. Uh, but everybody's all like, support your local business, but nobody wants to support their local business. And now we're out a really decent restaurant, a, a really good bar, and, and a music venue, as we were talking about, um, because of this virus, because they, they just can't afford to keep the lights on at this point. But, you know, there is something that people can do, because this brings us to the main point of this new story is uh, Jarvis got, of... Yeah, go ahead. I got a question. Since we're talking about all this, uh, how this stuff is affecting us locally, uh and the Matt, I know that you're uh, quite a bit. You're often associated with Barnlight Theater. I was just kind of curious if you had any information about them. Uh, right now, uh, the one the last I spoke to them, they're pretty much they're still staying open. Uh, they were able to get funding to pay their employees, and they're actually able to make additional uh, funding through uh, these daily auctions. They get a lot of donations from people, and they're selling these at auction. Uh, they live stream it on Facebook. So if you go to Barn Lots Facebook or the Auction Barn, I think it's called, um, go to those Facebook pages. You'll be able to follow them, and uh, you can go through uh, daily uh, ones like that. I actually went to Barn Lot uh, a few days ago and picked up a, a Barn Lot t-shirt since it's their 40th anniversary this year. Yeah, some anniversary, right? So <laughs> I picked up a couple of shirts, one for me and one for Kat. And when I went into their main office, they're main office was packed full of auction items. So, I mean, they're still making a, a pretty decent, of course, you know, a lot of this stuff because it's donated. If you bought it at regular price, uh, they were probably making bank on it, but I, they're doing okay. The what where they really made the bread and butter was barn lot bingo and you can't do bingo. <laughs> so, you know, that, that that's pretty much what it was. I mean, there was even a thing that they had in Barnlot Bingo where people were winning like 20 grand this past year off a card game that they had that they actually had some had to get somebody from the a lottery commission in Louisville to come down and uh the state lottery commission to come down and make sure everything was handled correctly. So, yeah, they're missing out on a lot, not just the um putting on performances which I was talking to uh one of the uh directors up there and she you know, she said I miss it. I absolutely miss auditions. I miss prepping for a show. She said, I'm fiending for it. I, I hate it uh, that we're not able to do it, but, you know, we miss it. So that's yeah. from the horse's mouth. I have, uh, you know, I've, I've missed out on an, on an audition uh, mm -hmm. because of this. You know, the thing it is to pay for the rice for some of these shows. That's why they want just about every show sold out. And it's hard mm -hmm. when it doesn't. Right. For example, like the, the show that I assistant directed, uh, you know, we had to purchase rice to be able to put on the show. And to break even, half the shows had to be sold out. We barely broke even. So if you think about it, if we just one performance uh, less and we would have lost money on that. So think of, you know, 
in order to put on a show, these shows that they've already purchased rights for that they were going to put on throughout the year, how much money they're losing hand over fist because of this, unless the, the companies that are uh, producing or um, allowing the theaters to purchase the rights are extending their contracts. They may do that. Some of these places like uh, they're doing in Gatlinburg and things like that, they're if you have reservations because of the coronavirus, they're actually allowing you to transfer them to when they're able to be open again. Right. Uh, so the, um, it's there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, with uh, with Tidballs and local music venues like that, Jarvis from Tidballs and um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Deaton, they have actually joined this thing called the National Independent Venue Association. Um, it's an organization of about 1,300 venues promoters throughout the nation, and they're working on to get financial relief. Uh, they're working to get financial relief for these small businesses. So um, everybody yeah. needs to go in and look at that, support that. Uh, just Google it, National Independent Venue Association. They call it NIVA, N-I-V-A. Look it up, everybody. Uh, follow it, support it, donate to it if you by chance have any money at all. Uh do it because these people are depending on it. So. Hey, yo, big up, big up to my man, Ted Ball and Jarvis, man. Yeah. Uh, I miss you guys. Uh, it's been a while since I've been out, but uh, yeah, I miss going to see shows occasionally. Uh, I've got another news story here. This one's more national, and uh, this kind of lift our spirits a little bit. Um, full house, full house actress Lori Laughlin and her husband have decided they're going to go ahead and plead guilty for their college scam. <laughs> so they're going to prison. <laughs> yeah. For like two months. Uh, she's going to jail for two months and being fined one hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus a hundred hours of community service. Her husband is getting five months, getting fined two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and has to perform two hundred and fifty hours of community service. Correct. Yeah, I, I also saw ABC News before I came here. <laughs> uh, this was this was WBKO. <laughs> Shout out. So I, I only have two issues with that. One, um, I think they both should have got the same sentence. Just let's be honest, if they both had a hand in it, they both deserved it. They did, but it was it was mainly his money uh, because he was a designer. He had a lot more money than she does. She, had, she hadn't done any serious acting since Full House, so she didn't really have a lot of money. He, on the other well, hand, that, designer, that's where the, most of the money came from him. And so I'd say that's probably what they but, were looking at. But my other thing is, is while that may be the case, um, I can't tell you her husband's name or what he designs, but I can tell you who she is and what she's been in. <laughs> I agree with that. I do. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You can't tell me that fame didn't take a little bit of part in that. Yeah. I still think that they should have, uh, even though they're being fined that much, it's what, 250 plus 150? That's $400,000, right? Yeah. How How is that... Right when they had already paid five hundred thousand dollars in bribes, they should have been fined five hundred thousand dollars for their donating five hundred thousand dollars to get their kids into college. Well, at least, and let's not even talk about the money that they took away from, or not the money, but I guess the opportunity that they took away from how many ever other students that yeah. deserved to be there. Here's the sad <laughs> uh, thing. 
because of the coronavirus, I guarantee you, when they go into sentencing, they'll get sir, uh, they'll get sentenced to time served because of how long they've already been in prison and home and home arrest and things like that. So, the, uh, she'll be set free, and he may have to do weekends for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Last bit of news, um, just because it has something to do that's near and dear to us, because this is what we're doing. Um. Did you all hear about Joe Rogan and his deal with Spotify? No, I did not. What about you, Sir Bradley? Same. Well, Joe Rogan has, uh, this is from the New York Times and is also confirmed by Joe Rogan. Uh, he announced this deal on Instagram that his podcast nine point and 9.5 million followers that they are moving to Spotify exclusively on September the 1st in an agreement that further cements Spotify's evolution from a music streaming service to a behemoth purveyor of all kinds of online radio. Now, what does that entail? Um, it's pretty much licensing. They want, they want to put their license on anything Joe Rogan touches or does. Um, right now, with just podcasting, with just his Joe Rogan experience and the, you know, the stuff that he gets from from that, the sponsorship and things like that. He's already making like, I think it was like 20, 20 something million dollars a year just from podcasting. Uh, but that, that's also not including his royalties from, say, news radio, his stand up specials, his touring, his, uh, you know, being on UFC as a commentator, you name it. Squat. Squad goals. Yeah, squad Guess goals. Guess that advice I gave him really paid off. <laughs> yeah, don't do what he would do. <laughs> so, but here's the kicker. Now, he's, you know, he's he's in his 50s now. Joe Rogan is in his 50s, if you can believe that. He's got the body of a 25-year-old. The <laughs> But... Man's 50 years old. He's looking at possible retirement in a few years. I guarantee it. Because guess how much he's going to uh, get off the Spotify deal? If you tell me if you, if you tell me it's more than 25 million, I'm going to be sick. Uh, prepare to be sick. 100 million dollars over the course of so many years. 100 million dollars. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Joe Rogan experience. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say a lot of it with his retirement. He's been talking about wanting to move to Texas. <laughs> so I'd say he wants to buy a ranch to be able to hunt all year long. <laughs> uh, forgive me because uh, apparently I am just uh, not educated in that area. What, uh, what would be the difference in the ranch you could buy for the $20 million a year you're making just off podcasting versus a hundred? He would never have to do a thing ever again, except just live on his, uh, land and raise his family because his kids are starting to get to be where they're teenagers, uh, getting to be teenagers here in a few years. And he would like, I guarantee he's, he's wanting to be there for that and just have a normal, well, normal hundred million dollar life. So let's, uh. If I could, and I know this is probably going to detract from the, the the show, but let's just do a little bit of math. Two uh, percent <laughs> interest on ten million dollars. Yeah. 
I make a quarter of that for a year and I manage to, to live and I don't generally want for much. What kind of lifestyle are you accustomed to that you can't? Never mind. That's a soapbox <laughs> for another time. <laughs> I think I think uh, Tiny's a little sore, don't you, Sir Bradley? <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to rub some Bengay on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, squad goals. Squad goals. All right. Are, are we ready to get into the main topic? Uh, just as soon as I get done with this email from Spotify that I just got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. All right, this evening, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have a little bit of fun. And I, by a little bit of fun, we're going to reminisce about good times back in the 90s where we're watching uh, when uh, Chris Hardwick still had hair. Uh <laughs> We're talking about MTV's Singled Out. Woohoo! <laughs> wow. Was I the only one that thoroughly enjoyed this show? No, man, I love this show. Uh, Sir, you were not. Th- this, show, this show basically had everything you could want on TV at that point in time. <laughs> and that was? Uh, <laughs> well... First of all, you had a fairly cool host who, while didn't seemingly on the outside look like it, but was kind of nerdy and kind of not your cookie cutter. That out to be true, you know, (laughs) years later. So right. Um, So you know, not exactly like the suave like Ryan Seacrest guy that you see (laughs) hosting today. Seacrest. Right, Seacrest out. <laughs> uh, but so not only did you not only did you have a host who was a little bit more relatable than than most, um, you also had at that point in time probably one of the hottest women on the planet uh, as a co-host. Yes, and it was a dating show, but very unorthodox style of dating show. It was kind of like. Uh, what was it? The match game? Match or, game, uh, the, the dating game, game, newlywed game. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a mix from all that. Uh, well, uh, yeah, but it was broke the, 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 the you know kicked the door down for the hookup culture. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah, and and probably uh, as sad as it is to say, uh, one of the starts of the downfall of actual TV into reality, whatever you want to call it, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia uh, says Singled Out is an American dating game show uh, created by a Burt Wheeler and Sharon Sussman, which originally ran on MTV from 1995 to 1998. Three years, but five, oh, man, se- five I, seasons. I feel really old now that, yeah. <laughs> that we're freaking out. Day. Wow, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. In, in all fairness, though, 95 to 98 was pretty much like prom puberty time. So. Damn straight it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I mean. I'm really, really hoping that we don't come off as sexist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, you watch, if you watch anything from that time period, men were assholes. 
dude. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just actually, um, if we can just take a second, I was talking to Matt uh, off off mic. Uh, I've been watching. I went back and found a service that has the Man Show on it, and that started <laughs> in 1999. And, and I was watching some of the episodes because it was a really good show, or it was one of my favorite shows at the time. And I'm watching it now, and I'm like. Yeah, there's no way these guys are getting away with this on today's TV. Like, it's just not happening. No, and you know what, Jimmy Kimmel, you're a fraud. I don't care what kind of person you put yourself to be on TV now, you're a fraud. Anybody that watches The Man Show knows for a fact that you are a fraud, sir. A fraud. Sorry. Girls jumping on trampolines, yes. Uh (laughs) Anyway, back to tell us how you really feel. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you watch anything that has to do with the man show, the funniest bit that they've ever done, and all, po- quite possibly the most offensive, but probably the funniest, is sock puppet porn. Check it out. It is hilarious. Anyway, back yeah. to uh, Singled Out. <laughs> that show ran for five seasons, with each season consisting of 65 episodes each. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I was just thinking, if I remember correctly, didn't they do, like, a new episode, like, Monday through Thursdays or something like that? Like, they had four episodes a week for a while, it yeah. seems like to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did. Um, each episode featured a group of 50 singles. Actually, it was 100. 50 men and 50 women uh, who were competing for a date with one of the main contestants. Um, originally... They had the host, which we were talking about, Mr. Chris Hardwick. Now, you you say people didn't know it. He was kind of a geek at the time. The man is still suave now. He married Lydia Hurst from the Hurst, you know, rich, you know, ungodly rich family. And she is gorgeous. He's rich, too, but not Hurst rich. So, oh, the man's got I'm swagger. Not he, I'm not saying he wouldn't suave, because definitely at the time... Uh, he had it going on, but uh, he, you also have to understand in '95 uh, to be into any kind of role playing game, board games, card games. That was taboo. You were you, yeah, you, you were a nerd. Like it wasn't as openly okay as it is today. Like I'm, I know Matt has experienced this with me, but. Uh, there are a lot of us that spent our high school lives in the mid to late nineties being ridiculed and bullied over being into to D and D quote unquote. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really like the open thing to be at that point. Yeah. It's just one of them things. Things change. Um, I guess one of the saddest things about the show was when Jenny McCarthy decided to leave, uh, in, you know, their middle of the third season, uh, cause she got offers, you know, this whole thing about, okay, here's the thing about Jenny McCarthy, you know, her cat, the casting did not want her at all. Uh, they pretty much thought she had too much baggage for being a playboy playmate of the month and playboy, a playboy playmate of the year. They they just yeah didn't want to touch because of all that baggage. That that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, it looks like if you were trying to sell a show to teenage boys, um, a playmate would be the best way to go. But hey, what do I know? 
Yeah. Um, the sad thing is her agents didn't even think she would, uh, would even be remotely interested. The only reason she found out about the job anyway, was she was in her agent's office the day that MTV had faxed over an offer, uh, to that agency, you know, not, not her, not to her, but to the agency she was with. And, uh, she was like, well, what is that? That's his MTV. What is that? And uh, they said, no, you don't want that. You, you don't want to be a game show host. She's like, well, of course I want to be a game show host. Why not? Why not? Why wouldn't I want to do that? So um, she was the very last person in the casting line, period. But then uh, Chris Hardwick has confirmed that she just completely blew everybody away about how she was just on right then. In all honesty, though, you said Jenny McCarthy, and I just kind of <laughs> just like and like most everybody uh, when they were watching Singled Out, they just kind of drifted off and just kind of yeah. Hi. <laughs> but but in all but in all honesty, though, you do you do have to realize that she had while she did have the looks, um, she also had that quirkiness that oh yeah that made that made a game show host. like that was one of the biggest reasons to watch singled out not only was it because she was immensely hot but she was also kind of funny and she had this kind of sense of interesting about her yeah she uh i mean she stood up for herself too like early on in the show you know she was kind of, maybe for the first couple of episodes she was a little reserved and then at you know, at some point, she just started being her crazy self. She would make it a, pr- a point of pride to hit, like punch a male <laughs> person. There's a reason for that, though, because you know when you you know men are pigs. When you have a group of a lot of them, and you have a hot playboy playmate right there, I'm gonna be honest. They're pigs. We're pigs. It happens. So you gotta yeah, imagine. I was gonna- uh, the contestants weren't too shabby themselves. Right. Yeah, most of them were not. Yes, that's that's very well, true. But obviously because they're going to be on TV, so, yeah. you know, they're not going to put unattractive people on TV. Yeah. Really. But you got to understand, when you've got those big groups of people and people are just kind of shoving around, uh, people are going to sneak and touch. They're going to say some god-awful things to her and about her and around her. Until she finally, like I said, it only took a couple of episodes and then she just started wailing on them and they actually had to implement a do not touch Jenny McCarthy uh, rule there. Like they would have somebody come out and say, do not touch Miss McCarthy. Sad for the human race, but yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you look at the age group of the of the people that were on there. Yeah, college age. They're f- idiots yeah um, <laughs> they really are or were at that point anyway but it i'm not like it was trying to grade people of, of, of that age group but i mean because, oh no i remember you know, being I'm, that age i i do i remember being that age i'm not <laughs> i really hate to use this term because it's overdone but i'm not as i was not as woke as i am today you know I mean, for example, let's, let's, let's do a little bit of admitting stuff. Tiny, when we were that age and younger, did we really know anybody, any females that we didn't, except for maybe one or two that we didn't have, you know, 
awful thoughts about, <laughs> you know, I say awful, but I mean like sexy thoughts about. No, man. I mean, uh, let's, let's hormones. be honest. I get it. Uh, hormones. <laughs> at, at, at that point. Yeah. At that point, women, uh, yeah, it was like, uh, you, bef- didn't, you didn't have, you didn't have female friends because you wanted friendship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Love you, Kayla. Damn. <laughs> no, I had to throw that out because she's a perfect example of somebody that I love to death. She's like a sister to me. And, you know, back then we couldn't have females that were just friends and we think of as family, you know, today we do. So I want to give her a shout out as just a perfect example of somebody who I just completely admire and respect and, and would never, ever put her in that box. So what about her guy friend? Well, he can think about that all day long since that's her guy. So. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Rob? Be good to her, man. I'm sure you are, or else she'd let me know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, back to uh, Singled Out. We were talking about this earlier. They actually did a revamped series in, you said 2018, wasn't it, Sir Bradley? Yeah. Um, 2018 was... At, I think that's when uh, they, they started up this YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of get it back up and going. I'm not exactly sure why or, you know. Well, I don't know. I, I have my doubts about how well this type of show would do in today's society. And it won't. That's why the, these two, uh, there's been another updated version of it, and both of them have not done very well at all. Because it just doesn't work. You have well, to. Well, let's let's just think about it at this point. Um, not even from a time frame standpoint, because yes, times are way different. We, as a, a human race, I would like to think has grown a little bit. But sometimes you just get, and, and this is what kind of got me uh, with Chris Hardwick and Jenny McCarthy. You get a, an energy. From, from two people that have chemistry and work well together. And that can make or break a show like that. Yeah, and that was one of the and, big things. Uh, I, I was, I'd was i actually heard an interview she had done with Chris Hardwick, I think it was a couple of years ago, that uh, they hadn't seen each other in 20-some-odd years, right? Uh, but he was on her show. She has a show on XM Satellite Radio, the Jenny McCarthy show, still does. Um, one of their bigger uh, bigger hits. And they were talking about how, you know, people always ask them all the time. These people that have no, no idea who they are, they always ask, they always ask Hardwick, hey, uh, do you ever put it to McCarthy? And same thing with McCarthy goes, hey, do you ever get with, you know, Hardwick? And that just, okay, first of all, that the comments that I just made right there asking the questions are not verbatim of what they said, but that kind of shows the way that these two people, the guys are normally asked and how women are normally asked. But the answer was still no. They both said that they, you know, instantly bond, you know, bonded like a brother and sister on the show. And they were both serial monog, you know, monogamous people back then. So, but I do find it funny that car uh, do what What do you mean back then, back then. Uh, So you're telling me I got a chance. (laughs) No, she's married to new kid on the block. Donnie Wahlberg. That's right. Yeah. 
but you know, you know, she was monogamous back then. You know, maybe, maybe, not. <laughs> maybe not now. Uh, but the point that I was getting at is, occasionally you just capture lightning in a bottle. Yeah. On, and you can't really recreate the chemistry. So unless you were lucky enough to find two other people that have that same spark and energy, the show is not going to be the same. No, I mean, you can use the same, you can use the same format. You can do the same thing, but let's be honest. Today's society is so fast paced and instant gratification. Nobody's going to sit and watch a 30 minute show on, Oh, let's see if this person gets a date or not. It's funny. You mentioned that tiny, uh, because the new edition is coming out on Quibi which is 10 minute episodes. <laughs> so yeah, they'll sit down for 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's what they're oh, thinking wow. anyway. Wow. Okay. I, I, I don't even have words for that. But, I can't. Yeah. I just, I can't. To be fair. Uh, the original singled out anyway was two segments, one for the men, one for the women. And each segment didn't run more than 10 minutes each anyway, after uh, commercials. So, uh, but how did this show work? I know we're, we've been talking about it and how it's type of a, a dating show, but how did it work? Well, pretty much it would start out with um, uh, them bringing out a contestant who was wearing some sort of mask so he couldn't see any of the potential you know suitors. Uh, they would be brought around behind this wall that looked like a, uh, I don't know, just a big heart, set them in a director's chair. And this guy would just pretty much start asking questions or not asking questions, but, uh, choosing categories from a board. Of course, we've got, uh, we're familiar with doing that with some of the games we've done on BSF. (laughs) Shout out to our own podcast. Uh, (laughs) disclaimer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but anyway, the group of people, the suitors were called the dating pool. And these, uh, so what he would do is he'd go to these different categories that were divided into say, like, um, uh, bust, uh, for the women groin size for the men, um, so on and so forth, you know, tall, short career aspirations, all that stuff. And the categories always had really funny answers so that they would chose it would be either a or B and those who fit that part. Um, he said, no, I don't like those. Get rid of those. So every person that had that on a sticker or something on their, you know, clothes, they would all leave and he would see every contestant that he had lost. Now in season three, they implemented this thing for that round called the golden ticket. I could not find, I didn't remember to find a a sound of it, but it was like golden (laughs) ticket. (laughs) yeah (laughs) and pretty much he would he would walk some person and say hey i'm giving you another chance go back there uh the ones that were eliminated so that brought us to round two in round two he would ask each of the contestants one by one and uh, they would answer and he would either like the answer or not like the answer if he liked it he'd say keeper or if she didn't like it, she would say dump them, you know, and they would be eliminated. That's round two. As you can imagine, you can get through these things pretty quick. You know, the explanations are long, but the actual implementing of these are very fast. Yeah, then, yeah. If if I remember correctly, they they narrowed it down in the first round from like fifty to like ten or 
Uh, yeah, between eight, between six and eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it, like the first round eliminated most of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So then, when you're when we're getting down to round three, which is, he ends up p- uh, picking three, you know, finalists, and the rest, you know, are sent on. Round three, they remove the wall he's behind, but his back is still to him, and he's got these answers that. Uh, Chris Hardwick always, you know, has this spiel about them and he's pretty much asks a question, they answer and he holds up a card, which is sort of like the dating game or the newlywed game that has his answer and the ones that match, they move up. And if you move up to, um, if you're the first person to reach, you know, the, uh, the picker, then you get to go on a date with them. So that's how it works. That took all of five minutes to explain 10 minutes for the whole show. (laughs) <laughs> as you can imagine that moves pretty fast yeah I, I will have to say though part of the appeal um, especially at the point in time that it came out and uh, the point in my life and I'm sure Matt and probably Brad too the point in your guys' life uh, you put 50 hot girls um, in a pool and then you start asking questions about bus size and this and that it it was interesting enough to watch (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) uh yeah 13 through 16 uh yeah (laughs) do you all remember any of the characters that were on that show they had for like little skits during some of the questions i think i remember Um, was one time she played a zit and she spit some shit out of her mouth. Yeah. Uh, they actually... Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually. I was watching... I, I watched one on YouTube uh, where this girl had to... It, they had this big, huge nose with a bunch of fake nose hair in it and they pretty much had her, as fast as she could, trim that nose hair. Trim it, trim it. You know, cut all that out. Yeah, they were kind of low barring it, but uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, but they actually had some characters on there. Their mascot was a Cupid who would smoke cigar wearing a crown. A crown. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. Pretty looked like yeah, a fifty-year-old wearing a diaper and smoking a cigar. Yes, I do remember that now. Wow. They had that character. They had his. He was. His name was Cupid. They had his son. Uh, named Little Cupid or Bob the Angel. I'm sorry, it was Bob the Angel. I am so sorry. Bob, he Bob looked like a Cupid, but his name was Bob <laughs> yeah. the Angel. Yeah. Then they had his son, Little Bob, but they also had Fidel Castro, uh, an evan- uh, evangelist, and a number of them. Here's the funny thing. Can you guess which famous A-list, or you, at least used to be A-list, uh, Hollywood actor was in one of those skits? Oh my God, dude. I didn't realize there was going to be trivia and I should have boned up a little bit. Uh, I know there were a couple of people that were uh, contestants. Yeah. Yeah. That were famous that were on there. Uh, But I have nothing. Sir Bradley, you got anything? Uh, Absolutely. I have nothing. Hmm. (laughs) I'll give you I'll give you a hint there. Tiny uh, dodgeball. Oh God. Uh, Vince Vaughn. Really? Yep. <laughs> he hadn't had many uh, acting I, I jobs at that back. point. 
Well, that must have been before, uh, what was it, Made Men? Yeah. That had to have been before that. Before yeah. that, before uh, Usual subs, uh, Suspects. and Wow, that's ridiculous. Yeah. He was in one of the Jurassic Parks, wasn't he? I think so. Third one? Yeah. <laughs> um, they actually had a tie-in book uh, set to the show called Singled Out's Guide to Dating. You can't imagine that went well. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine that is very much like the the bro code, like the bro code, the playbook. Yeah, from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Although it is hilarious to see, and I guarantee you, some of those things actually do work. <laughs> I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying. Yeah. I think it might work for you know the uh, certain age groups. <laughs> yeah, I would. I don't doubt that. Um, one of their very their very first episode. Did you all know was at MTV Spring Break? No, no, I don't think I knew that. Actually, I was going to say I, I remember them doing several Spring Break Break episodes, but I don't think I ever knew that it. Occurred. Yeah, that that technically falls under Spring Break. That is not actual actually one of their episodes that they refer to. But this was sort of like the jumping off point for them. And let me tell you, I honestly cannot believe that the show moved forward with the cast and crew because they said doing the show there was hell. Absolute hell. And it they required that these people down there spring break if they were participating in the show that none of them were to be drinking. Can you imagine how well that went over? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing about as well as a turd in a punch bowl. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm really glad that it did take off because it actually became a phenomenon. If you can believe that's a pop culture phenomenon. Um, it was actually parodied on Saturday night live with, uh, Molly Shannon. Molly Shannon. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> so uh, let, let's let's just say that uh in my humble opinion and and i know this is kind of a, a show that, but they say that parody is the uh most humble form of flattery but finest form of flattery yeah yeah, yeah. exactly imitation is the finest form of flattery yeah <laughs> um in 97 it was actually uh in a scene with in the movie Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, um, where the actress Mira Sorvino tries out for the show, uh, but was unsuccessful as the cutoff age is 25. So, but then she's told to go try VH one. Ouch. That's amazing. I know that movie gets a lot of crap, but it actually has some pretty funny comedic moments. <laughs> now my favorite thing, that they were able to participate in and pop culture wise was they were actually on an episode of boy meets world. Do you all remember that? Wow. Uh, really? Really? They were on an episode? This rings a bell for me for whatever reason. And I wasn't big <laughs> boy meets world, but yeah, I, I, Eric Matthews was on there. Oh, wow. Uh, he was chosen okay. because of his hair. 
That okay, that makes sense. Yeah. The description goes, he ended up on a date with a sophomore from Columbia University. However, it was later revealed that both he and his date lied about being college students to get on the show, where only university students were eligible to be contestants, with some exceptions, such as military <laughs> personnel of the same age. He said that he had an IQ of like seven hundred. So <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Topanga Lawrence, by yeah. the way. <laughs> it took a like, lot of, I mean, looking for stuff on the show was hard. I actually had to do a ton of digging for it. That's what she said. Yeah. But I contemplated it. I contemplated <laughs> it. i did find some celebrity contestants on there though i mean of course you had um vince vaughn as one of the actors on there but i'm talking like the people that that are brought out the as pickers Um, right right i'm interested to hear this by the way one of them was tammy seich aka sunny of wwe and which she brought wrestler bob backland with her you know, you know what? Now that you say that, I think I remember that episode. <laughs> that one's on YouTube. It's great. <laughs> um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was on there. Ah, uh, I always liked her. Yeah. Now here's one that'll throw you. As one of the fifty single women, you'll never guess what famous singer was one of the women. One of the fifty single women. Were, were they famous during the show, or did they become famous after? They became uh, she became famous afterward, but she was on her way up with a completely different group than what she became famous with. Not talking about Beyonce, are you? No. Yeah, we'll see. That was what I was going with too. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should mention it's a singer from another trio, um, but it was Fergie. No. Yeah, Fergie wow. was one of the fifty single women. <laughs> wow. So that wow. so that brings us to I found an interview with one of the creators and writers of the show. How did they find so many single people all the time for sixty five episodes a season for five seasons? Let's do the math on that, okay? So we've got sixty five uh, episodes times. Uh, five seasons, that's 325 episodes times 100. How did they find 32,500 single people? My guess would be they used the same people over and over. <laughs> you would be correct. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, yeah, dude, you're picking one out of 50 each time. Why wouldn't you just keep bringing the other 49 back? Well, see, they thought that people might recognize them, but what they did is they'd film like three to four episodes a day. And, uh, they would just show that segment with the, with those that they've retaped later on in the season (laughs) so that nobody would recognize any of the hopeful singles. Showbiz, my man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the least, I would suspect it's something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> a couple uh, interesting tidbits. One of the last things that I've got for that is um, this it's about Jenny McCarthy. Now, of course, you know, she left uh, midway through season three to be to star in her own uh, TV series. And they brought in Carmen. Uh, 
Wait, was the TV series called Stat? I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was because it had um, uh, oh, uh, Lloyd Bridges and and a couple of other guys. But yeah, it, it was... Uh, I don't think it did real well. <laughs> but she definitely... She definitely tried to build off of the uh, momentum from Singled Out. You know, Tiny, I think you thinking with your penis and thinking with your bong resin has really worked out for this episode. <laughs> right? First story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Bradley's like, there's hope for me yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was worried about coming off as sexist on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am being sexist towards Tiny. <laughs> uh, I'll take, I'll take it. That's what she said. We need <laughs> anyway, couple sorry, in- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> a couple interesting tidbits. Now, the actual first episode of the season, um, it's famous for a couple of things that happened backstage. One. Jenny McCarthy almost burned down her dressing room. She actually uh, intention, intentionally or on purpose, or I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now we're leaving the penis <laughs> and going back to the bong resin. <laughs> wow. There's only enough blood to run one part at a time. I guess. <laughs> No, it was, uh, she'd accidentally, (laughs) she'd accidentally left a candle burning. Oh, well, that makes sense. And she was actually asleep when it happened and her, uh, her and her boyfriend woke up, uh, to crackling on the ceiling and then looking up and there's fire, you know, supernatural style. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Do you like that pool? (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah. It's almost, and also, <laughs> uh, talking about Jenny McCarthy, just the kind of person that she was, um, the very first episode before they were set to go out on set to, uh, film for the very first time. At one point, Chris Hardwick in an interview said, uh, while talking to uh, Jenny McCarthy on her show said, he seems to recall her sticking her head out of her uh, dressing room door, you know, kind of with a, uh, oh, dear God, oh, dear God, kind of look on her face with her tongue sticking out a little bit going, uh, and then she goes, I need a plunger. I need a plunger. Anybody got a plunger? She clogged her toilet. Uh, I, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, it sounds like Jenny McCarthy. But there's a good re- there's a good reason for it though. According to the creator of the show, she was notorious for eating nothing but Burger King hamburgers. Period. Oh, oh my god. That that makes me sick kind of thinking about it, but <laughs> You know what makes me sick about it? The fact that she could eat nothing but Burger King hamburgers and still look like that? <laughs> I just uh I worked at Burger King. I, I worked at Burger King. I guess I was probably sixteen. No, I, I don't eat at Burger King today because I worked at Burger King. <laughs> to be fair, 
looked at who you worked with. She ever worked there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I doubt that too. But. <laughs> oh, man. This just brought back a lot of memories. It really did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Burger King's like 75 feet behind me. <laughs> hey, that works. <laughs> well, and it's probably the, it's probably the one I worked at. I'm sorry. Yep. Do you remember a, a friend of ours uh, who shall remain nameless uh, used to try to prank us by putting uh, marinara sauce on rodeo burgers instead of the barbecue? Yeah. And then he accidentally yeah. sent it out to a customer. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> we used to do some really stupid stuff. Uh, exactly why I, I brought up that earlier about the age group that they got to uh, to do this show. Yep. yep. That's a perfect example. <laughs> All right. Does anybody have any last words for uh, this topic of singled out? I, I do. Um, I don't think we touched enough on, uh, well, obviously we did not. touching. Let's not talk about touching right now. <laughs> uh, we 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 obviously did not uh, mention Jenny McCarthy's replacement, or at least very much. But she was replaced by Carmen Electra, who also that's because she did, wasn't uh, she wasn't on long enough to talk about. I guess. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't she also a, a playmate? <laughs> yeah, but not in At a good point. way. That's what I've been told. <laughs> Look, everybody wants to hate on Rodman. Everybody wants to hate on Fernandez. I start to say that is exactly why she she loses. She loses (laughs) so many points. What was Jenny McCarthy uh, uh, guilty of? Uh, She married an old man, and then she married uh, Donnie Wahlberg. There, there's really nothing (laughs) that she's done that's been that bad. Now, Navarro with uh, Jim Carrey. Do what? <laughs> uh, McCarthy was in a long-term relationship with Jim Carrey. Yeah, well, you know, to be fair, that man is flexible in every single part of his body, so I can understand the draw. <laughs> I mean, look at Lauren Holly. When her in her heyday, he married her, and she was fine. Uh, any anyway, that that would be my own that would be my only thing is oh. to say that. Uh, that's his girlfriend from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yeah, that's my only thing would be to say that uh, I just wanted to note Carmen Electra was on the show as well. So. Yes, yeah, so she she was. And, and by the time she got onto the show, you know, I, I know I was ragging on her, but really uh, the... I could say that she's why the uh, the ratings dropped, but that really wasn't it. That would just be mean. Uh, the ratings had already started dropping uh, when she, uh, when she joined the show. So she just yeah, couldn't I mean, save it. Let's, let's be honest. Uh, Jenny McCarthy, uh, as much as I don't agree with a lot of her views, um, and, and things that, that she believes in or, or go, but yeah, we're not into talking about her politics. <laughs> yeah. But she knew, uh, when to get out, like she got out at the right time. The show had hit its feet. Uh, and was starting to be kind of on a downfall, and uh, she got out, and 
I think that a lot of the people in MTV thought, oh, we'll get Carmen Electra in because, hey, she fits the same kind of stereotypical thing that we're looking for. She was a Playboy playmate. Desperate for work. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, Matt. You really just don't. Wow. Okay. Anyway. Uh, Uh, I I say that because I do have a good reason why. Um, Because I have a, la- a last little bit of trivia. Do you know how much they made per episode, Jenny McCarthy and Chris Hardwick, up until at least season two and a half? Well, let's see. Um, it was 95 through 90, probably six at that point. Yeah. 90, at yeah. least, or at least close to 97. Uh, 25 an episode? They made between two and $300 an episode. What? Yeah. Wow. There, dude, there's no way. What? Are you kidding me? Not joking. And when they uh, got... Uh, see, what happened was uh, Jane McCarthy's contract was already going to be running out midway through season three anyway, and they went to negotiate. While Chris Hardwick and his you know, management team, who didn't know any better than he did... Of course, you know, he was... Honestly, he was a very bad alcoholic <laughs> about that point, too. Um, he thought... He was like... All right. Well, they upped his to, you know, a few hundred, you know, like a few hundred more per episode, but they didn't really want to race hers much. So she got out while the getting was good. Well, I would like to add that, you know, anytime that Jenny McCarthy is, uh, you know, a topic of discussion or, or brought up, I just, I'm, I'm all eyes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's, let's add to that. Uh, <laughs> I know that, I know that we've talked about it a little before, um, especially in the nineties Latin explosion era episode. Uh, but MTV really ushered an era in for me in, uh, watching TV with the mute button on because I wasn't really interested in what was happening. I just kind of wanted to look at the scenery. For a <laughs> well, uh, Ed, okay. You know what? A, that's true. That is a hundred percent true. B, I think honestly, that is probably one of the most sexist things we've ever said on this episode, but this is about stuff that it was back then. Not today. We are very different and we respect women today. Back then mute. If you're mad, email me. Yeah. Email us. <laughs> uh, what about you, sir? Bradley, you got any last uh, words for uh, singled out? No, I had the, the, I'm, I'm all eyes. That's all I wanted to add. (laughs) All right. Okay. So that was singled out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We're going to go into the nostalgic item of the week, and I'm going to send this to you guys. Uh, Like I said before we started recording, this isn't quite an item, but it's still worthy of nostalgia of the week. You should have it now. Yeah. Dude, I, at that time, when when this was on, I was not into anything remotely close to horror at all. So I did not watch this show. I think I watched like the first episode. Um, maybe I think it was about like a clown or something. And I'm like, yep, uh-uh, not doing it. <laughs> what we're talking about, uh, what Sir Bradley was just mentioning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, did you get it, Tiny? Did you get the picture? I did. I was going to wait till 
Sir Bradley got finished, but go ahead. Go ahead. That's all right. Go ahead. No, I just, um, <laughs> damn. Uh, so the audience, <laughs> <laughs> uh, afraid of the dark. Yes. Now, I would like to point out it, it's it has nothing to do with clowns. Clowns don't really freak me out all that much. I mean, I'm a big, huge Pennywise fan. So, but but back in in at that time in my life, I was not. I didn't want to have anything to do with anything remotely scary. If so, audience, I would I'll like just, to apologize uh, right now because if you can hear in the background, um, we're still recording from home. So that means tonight uh, it is two-year-old nephew night. He's tired and he's also a little cranky. So what you're hearing is him screeching because he does not want to go to sleep. So <laughs> He's really? going to hear thought- this when he gets older. I just made you famous. I, I thought you were just talking uh, about showing him an episode of Are You Afraid in the Dark? Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, honestly, dude, um, at the point in time that this show came out, and I'm pretty sure they did some books too, but this was some of the scariest stuff you could watch, and it was on Nickelodeon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so... It peaked. It, it was probably one of the first shows that really piqued my interest in the horror genre, um, which I'm a big fan of now, by the way. But yeah, actually, uh, since I'm a, I'm kind of a horror fan now, and you know, this kind of totally left my mind. So I'm actually kind of glad that you chose that to be the nostalgic item of the week. Uh, it's piqued my interest now. I want to go home and YouTube some of this stuff. Yeah, you definitely definitely should, dude. It was uh, like I said, some of it was cheesy. The time period it was made for kids. You got to understand it is cheesy, but you get past that and you actually, you know, get into just watching the story. It's really good. This was like what early nineties. From 1990 to 1996, Canadian horror anthology television series that was on Nickelodeon. Yeah, so you gotta you gotta look at the time frame uh, when we were watching this at that point in time. We were what like seven to thirteen, eight to fourteen, something like that. Yes. Um, some of uh, the stuff was pretty yeah. disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, basically, what this show was, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it revolved around a group of teenagers who referred to themselves as the Midnight Society. Dang, they need to, you know actually have a group like this but every episode was at a secret location in the woods at night and one member would tell a scary story to the group the actual story was displayed to the television viewer rather than you know hearing what the person's saying it was showing uh i said each storyteller would begin their story by saying the famous submitted for the approval of the midnight society i call this story and then at which time they had the story's name then they would throw some sort of handful of dust out of a leather bag onto a campfire that would create flames and smoke. So essentially, and, the storyteller was essentially the narrator. Pretty much. Yeah. That, yeah. Basically, you, you ever seen the show uh, Junk History that they did on Comedy Central for a while? Mm-hmm. Basically yeah. the same concept, except for horror stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and if my memory serves me correctly, they did some pretty famous horror stories in, in the show. Yeah, they did on this too. Um, they, they did like, uh, well, a lot of them, they kind of did their take of the story as in like bringing it to the modern day or changing some things about it. They've done some with, um, 
uh, Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, I remember they did one for uh, Paul Revere, uh, the Headless Horseman, and a few others. Didn't didn't I, I could be wrong on this, but it seems like one of my memories serves me correctly that they did an episode of the woman with the red ribbon as well. I think so. I think so. Um, now this show, it it's actually had a couple of different versions of it, just sort of like what we were talking about earlier tonight, uh, with a singled out back in 1999 and 2000. And they had a short revival, um, but then again, in this past year, in 2019, and it's actually been renewed for a second season. I'm not, I haven't watched it, so I don't know how much different it is. But it might be interesting to watch the old, then watch the new, and kind of compare them. Um, but just like Singled Out, there was actually some, some people who actually became to be pretty famous actors and actresses on there. Uh, I'm definitely interested in hearing this because uh, I think I don't I don't want to say it because I don't want to be wrong, um, but I think I know at least one anyway. Rachel yeah. Rachel Blanchard. Okay. Rachel Blanchard. Uh, she was. In, uh, do you remember the the movie Without a Paddle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the hot chick with the hairy legs. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was also in a. a a, t, um, a movie called You, Me, and Her, and she was also played uh, as uh, the Alicia Silverstone's part in Clueless. When they did the TV series, they actually hired Rachel Blanchard to play her. Yeah, okay, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, did did yeah. Kelly Packard have anything to do with this? No. Uh, what did she play in? I know she played in something. Kelly Packard. Bear with Kelly me. Packard, for, uh, was She was in California, California. Yes. And also uh, Baywatch. Yes. Yes. Let's she, see. I think she also had something to do with Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yes, she did. The uh, the one that was hosted by Dean Cain. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Okay. I know. Um, right? uh, she was for, on for Blossom, some... Baywatch, Step by Step, Boy Meets World, uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Uh, but no, she, is not been, she was not on that show. Okay. Um... For, for some reason, uh, Joss Whedon comes to my mind real big, but I, I can't. Like I said, I didn't want to be wrong. Though. Uh, I don't think Joss was on there. Uh, a Joanna Garcia was on there. Does anybody know who Joanna oh, Garcia wow. is? Yeah. From Reba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> also, Alicia Cuthbert. Ah. Uh, my God. From 24 yeah. to the girl next door and the ranch. Most recently she was on the, uh, uh, the, she was on the revival. And so was, uh, so was, uh, Joanna Garcia, but Rachel Blanchard was on the original. She was one of the main ones. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did write down, a, I, I, I succinctly remember two of the episodes because they were two of my all time favorites. Uh, the one about the animatronic carnival clown that Sir Bradley didn't like. Uh, <laughs> that one's called The Tale of Living in the Dark. <laughs> yeah. Not mistaken, that was the first episode. Uh, uh, that was not the first episode. The, there was another clown one that was the first episode. This was later on. But yeah, okay. there was another clown one. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, but then the uh, the next one was about where a guy gets stuck in a, in a mall after he works for this guy and it becomes a real life game that he has to, 
you know, complete. And then it becomes a real life pinball game called the tale of the pinball wizard. I can still remember the episode closing out when the guy's looking up an escalator into the skylight and sees, uh, the boss that left him in charge of the store. And he finds out that he's trapped inside a pinball game with the ball getting ready to roll down towards him. All Indiana Jones style. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a trip down memory lane and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So th- that, <laughs> woo, we've had a pretty good evening, haven't we? You're tripping, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, coming across this end, what goes into the recorder, uh, recorder, half of what Sir Bradley just said was cut out, but I know exactly what he said. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I knew exactly what he said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is, uh, that was our nostalgia item. Uh, uh, Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark? If you can find it online to watch it, check it out. It's really, it's actually, uh, it's cheesy, but it's good. Uh, right. I plan on doing that when I go home, man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My throat's starting to sound like it's, uh, you know, I've already had a full day of work and then, uh, you know, talking into this podcast, my throat's trying to rough, uh, you know, get a little rough. So I guess we need to bring this episode to a close. Maybe um, you need something thick and creamy to coat your throat. Why are you wanting me to be unsingled out? <laughs> Ow. Wow. Dump them. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I already gave that golden ticket away. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh i'm even though i i kind of feel like i have to say this thank you listeners for you know listening not emailing <laughs> <laughs> did you like the end of last episode <laughs> um anyway no genuinely thank you listeners for uh for subscribing thank you for listening to us telling your friends about us um, if you actually do uh, end up contacting us, <laughs> uh, oh, it looks like Sir Alan Hogan saw the nostalgic kind of the week. I got the notification in the chat group. What's going on, man? Uh, so anyway, <laughs> on Facebook, we're at Soaking Nostalgia and Deadpan Studio 18. We're on the same thing on Twitter, Soaking Nostalgia and Deadpan Studio 18. If you'd like to email us. We are at SoakingNostalgia at gmail.com, DeadpanStudio18 at gmail.com, our website, DeadpanStudio.com. And we also stream on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, as well as, as Tiny said, Podbean. DeadpanStudio.podbean.com. It's what he uses to listen to our shows after we record them. And that is it. You guys have fun tonight? Oh, yeah, dude. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use Spotify to listen, but you know. Hey, and you know what? I use I use Apple Podcasts. So you know what? That's three of our streaming <laughs> services. So, by by the way, I also uh, I also subscribe to Spotify, so I just don't use it to listen to our podcast. Yep, <laughs> but that's okay. All right. I only recently started doing that, but um, but yeah. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we've got one more episode to go. Next week is our finale. 
We are doing the subject. I know we'd already had a topic in line, but next week the subject is going to be who we feel is going to be who are the most underrated and most overrated bands from yesteryear. Not today, because believe me, there's plenty of them that are way overrated. We would spend all night talking about them. We're not counting them. We're not counting their crap. Wait, Matt. Yeah. Didn't we do this the other night with the Beatles versus the Stones? Oh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep talking, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, but more in depth this this next week. So, <laughs> you talked on that Samsung phone. <laughs> yes, sir. If you can't tell, it's going to be good. And we're going to be joined by a special guest. Uh, Mr. Alan Hogan will possibly not be with us again next week because of still, you know, doing his thing, doing some acting. We love you, man. And, uh, but we'll have a special guest. Go, go kill it, my man. That's right. So check and- that out. Don't forget to check out NIVA, uh, that organization that we had mentioned earlier in the news. Support your local businesses. Stay safe. And that's it for Soaking Nostalgia here at Deadpan Studio. And with that, this evening, I am your host, The Matt. So Bradley. And Tiny. We'll catch you all next week. Later. <laughs>